Welcome in to another edition of the Tiny Keg Podcast, episode 452. Mitch on the other side of the Zoom. Charlie here with you. Uh, we're back, baby. After a week off, we're going to be talking Buck storylines for the rest of the season. We're going to talk about could Matt LaFleur make Aaron Rodgers a more risk-forward more risk forward quarterback. I was going to say risky and more. I got caught up there, Mitch. Then we'll check in on Marquette and Wisconsin as we're getting closer and closer to March Madness. But first, before we, we do all of that, welcome in our boy, Mitch Ross. What's going on, dude? How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right, you know, above ground still. Um, <laughs> Touch your grass a, when you can. Yeah, took a took a week off, which is, you know, much, probably much needed for me. Um, you could probably argue I probably needed the week off more this week, but that it is what it is, and, you know. <laughs> Um, college basketball is heating up, so I've been kind of watching a bit as the NBA is on sabbatical. Um, trying not to fall asleep during these games, but um, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting ten day period for myself. Yeah, so let's, I hear. Uh, let's do this. Yeah, I hear you, man. Um, I I do have a bone pick for, with you before we get started. Um, so I saw your Twitter on. Uh, I saw a tweet on Sunday during the fracas that was uh, Michigan and Wisconsin, you dropped a state class in Michigan. I mean, what are we doing? How, how many times have we talked about how state class is one of the worst things you can say, say just at any point. And I'm like, wh- where, what did I, wh- how did I go wrong? Like we're not a state classy podcast. That's not what we're about. So I just wanted to address that before we got started. Wow. Is that, is that just too, that's too lame for, it's not no, sure. it's it's not lame. I just think like I just think classy is just overdone. It's just like it's just the worst. Like it's just like, oh, they didn't have any class. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. A Michigan look, I, Michigan was in the wrong. I'm not not denying it. You were we don't need to everybody's had a take on that. I feel like my grandma, who's not even alive, I think she'd have a take yeah. on that. Like, I mean Well, that's it was literally as I was walking out of the door of my dad's house, like it was we watched the game and it was like, I'm leaving after the game. And I like got up to put my shoes on as the do, 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 do is going, you know, going in there yeah. and they're walking, they're walking to the handshake line. And I just start hearing the announcers, you know, and, and the crowd kind of get loud and I turn around and I'm like, Whoa. And yeah, I just, then I see Juwan Howard throw the, uh, wasn't a punch. Wasn't really a slap. It was like, uh, like an open-handed, like he pushed his head, you know, like uh, pushed him of my, off. I think part of my take called it a smush. They like he smushed their face, you know, sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like I'll, 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 I'll agree with that. That's pretty much what it was. It was a, just sort of a weird thing that you don't typically see a head coach of a you know major Division One program do. <laughs> so I was like, whoa, that's gonna be that's gonna be talked about. And sure enough, it was. It was the perfect thing uh coming off a your first weekend without football so oh, yeah. you know that that got beat to death for a 24-hour cycle oh, yeah. and um then we got Aaron Rodgers for the next 24 hours or more or you know I guess that's evergreen that's omnipresent that won't go away until until he either he dies or or uh, <laughs> or retires or whatever what you know whatever happens with him because and then and then a dash of we, lebron a dash of lebron it's like rogers and yeah. LeBron were the steak and potatoes this week like 
one day Rogers was the steak, LeBron's the potatoes. The other day LeBron's the steak, Rogers is the potatoes. That's kind of what it well, was all week. You definitely wouldn't want to talk about the Bucks and anything but that. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and way to in, intro us in. And yeah, you're right. I mean, no one's really talking about the actual teams that are going to be contending for a championship. We're talking about the fucking ninth seed in the in the West. And I do understand yeah. that some people make the case they could have a puncher's chance. I don't disagree. They're still super talented. I don't think anyone wants to see the Lakers in the first round. But the fact of the matter is they are so far from being a title contender. It's a slap in the face, not only to the Milwaukee Bucks, but to the Miami Heat, to the Phoenix Suns, who honestly had the biggest storyline, in my opinion, of the All-Star break because Chris Paul is out for six to eight weeks. And how are they yeah. going to respond to that? Like Chris Paul is their team. Devin Booker did not make the playoffs without Chris Paul. Devin Booker, like that's on his resume, right? And it's like, how how far back are the Suns going to take? Are the Suns going to take like they're going to lose? They're only going to be a two seed, or are they going to get down to a three line and maybe Memphis sneaks up to the two? I don't know. I really don't. And I think to me, like that's the biggest storyline. And or just the MVP race. I kind of saw it a little bit today where it's like, it is a three horse race between Giannis, Jokic and Embiid and Embiid unfortunately looks like the favorite because it's the best story. And that's, that's not a good thing. Um, so Mitch, I, I don't know. You listen sometimes to my solo stuff. You sometimes don't, but one of the theories I have, and maybe we'll kick off storylines here for the second half is, are we headed for a redo of 1995 or 1994 Kim Olajuwon and David Robinson? And this is Giannis and Embiid and David Robinson wins MVP. He's the MVP of the league. Hakeem clearly had a better stat line that year, clearly outperformed him. And then Hakeem absolutely buried David Robinson in the playoffs. Why do I feel like that's going to happen again? Why do I have this like, vision of Giannis just absolutely dominated Embiid because I look at the Bucks and when they're fully healthy with Brooks, Serge, and Giannis, they are going to make Embiid's life a living hell. He's going to want to quit after game three. He's not going to want the full smoke for a full seven games. So what do you, what do you think about that comparison? Do you think like there is any chance that Giannis could overtake Embiid and Jokic for that MVP crown? Well, there's probably a chance. I guess my initial question is who's who's Hakeem Olajuwon and which one's David Robinson? In, in that. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I did a shitty job saying that. I think Giannis is Hakeem. So, like, I think Giannis okay. will not win MVP. And David Robinson is, is Embiid. And I think Giannis would just make Embiid, you know, they win in five or they win in six games. And all of a sudden, then everybody's like, oh. And the whole Embiid narrative changes and all, the Giannis narrative levels up. The, you know, you know how it goes yeah. in the NBA, right? It's, like, it's, it's, yeah, because it's, it's, as you alluded to, it's a narrative award half time or narrative is, is a huge piece of the pie when it comes to voting for MVPs. And, you know, I, I think if you, if you look at, I guess, skill set and body type, Embiid is probably more Olajuwon and Giannis is probably David Robinson. Right, um, right. But I'm saying maybe, more maybe David, Robinson, David Robinson is a sneaky comparison to Giannis. Now that I think about it, I guess I hadn't considered that. They're both athletic freaks and aren't necessarily the greatest, you know, outside threats, but um, maybe not the most skilled player, but 
certainly are dominant um, in, in their athleticism and just able to wear people down. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it could happen. I, I do agree with you that the Bucks, the addition of Serge Ibaka, who I do want to get out here real quick on Serge Ibaka. I don't know if we potted since they got him. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. But we did that night. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily like Serge Ibaka. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm just, I haven't really op- welcomed him with open arms to this point. I haven't seen enough, certainly in the couple games he played where I'm like, geez, I love this guy. You know, like at the end of the day, do I like him more than Goran Dragic? Yeah. I mean, um, or some of the other guys that, you know, but at the end of the day, Abaka was on that 2019 Raptors team that broke my heart. So he's going to have to do a lot to, to win me over. I mean, I'm not going to root against him. I will, I, at this, at this moment, I am neutral on Serge Ibaka. Um, hasn't really bought a three since he's been um, in the couple games he played. So, you know, hopefully he doesn't fall in love with that too much, but it's going to happen. I know it will. So I just, I just want to get out there, but he, he, I think he, he definitely made it tough for Embiid in that game, yeah. the last game before the all-star break. Yeah. So, and maybe, you know, that's certainly the Bucks needed a, a guy up front uh, in their, in their depth chart. And they, they successfully acquired one, but I, I do wonder if that was part of the thinking was we got to get somebody to somebody else that can make Embiid's life hell. Cause Bobby Portis really had nothing for him. No. Um, and that's to be expected. I mean, it's not, not really a knock on Bobby. He's just, he's just too small, yeah. you know, um, for, for a guy like Embiid, but geez, that would be based on what I saw at the end of, or at, at that last game there against Philly, that would be that series would take a, a while off my life, probably. Oh um, God. I mean, it would I be, think, it would be fun. I think that's the series that everybody should want. I made that case after that game. I said like that, this has to be the number one series that everybody wants for the playoffs. I realize everybody's going to say, well, Philly and Brooklyn. No, no, no. The series is Philly and Philly and Milwaukee. That to me is the next potential great rival. It's already a rivalry between the fans. I don't know if it's there yet from the player's perspective, but I could argue it is because of just the Giannis Harden dislike between those two guys. Um, you know, it, it's there. Yeah. There is and, definitely some stuff bubbling for sure. And how about the, just the specter of the officiating in that series? Oh, because you, uh, oh, 2001. I mean, the Embiid's foul, well, the fouls for Harden, the, the, ripped through bullshit but also like the memory of 2001 bucks getting fucked in that like that's not that yeah old habits don't die hard baby yeah i'm not as worried about that but yeah that that's that's an interesting you know tie in there for sure but right. uh you know Embiid and harden i think Embiid's flopping ability was on full display yeah, uh, he, you last, know, he's a, soccer, he's, he, he's a soccer player. No question about it. Like he's yeah. like, that's what, that's what he does. I mean, so that, that to me stands out storyline wise. Another thing to, for me is, you know, a, we don't know yet if the Bucks are going to make any more buyout moves. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. I guess is the Bucks bench good enough to win an NBA title. Now, if you consider Pat Conton comes back, you put Bobby Portis back in that second position. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a son of all parts, but I don't know, man. They're, well, that to me feels a little bit like 
the Bucks are trying to cut cut corners and don't really have that one guy where we're like, all right, yeah, I feel good that he's going to score anywhere from eight to 12 a game. And maybe that's Bobby and that's it. But Bobby, like we just talked about, has the ability to get played off in, in playoff games. Yeah, we've seen that for sure. I think certainly if Bobby is able to go back to the bench, whether that means starting Serge Ibaka if Brooke Lopez is out, I would I would consider that currently if I were the head coach. Um, just because I know Bobby's been so good, but um, him, him coming in off the bench in a playoff game would provide so much energy and um, you know, the crowd would be, would be, would be loving it. And I definitely would love to see him go back to the bench by the postseason. And this is, this is what kind of scares me about this year is you've got Lopez who, you know, we think is coming back. John Horst basically more or less confirmed it, or at least increased optimism with some of his comments uh, after the trade deadline about they expect Brooke Lopez to be back. You've got him, Pat Connaughton, who are probably going to be out until, you know, April. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a quick ramp up. And I think back to, was it 2019 with Malcolm Brogdon, where he was out for, he missed the last six weeks or two months of the season. He came back and he, he did not look like himself. So, I mean, you know, I know that Pat Connaughton is not necessarily the same impact player that Malcolm Brogdon is, but you know, the shooting wasn't great the last, I don't know, however long with Pat Connaughton. Um, (laughs) And Brooke hasn't played all year and he's 34. So, you know, those guys are going to be huge to what they did. And, and, and Pat was tremendous off the bench in the playoffs last year. Going to need that again from him. I mean, unless you're getting something from Deandre Bembry, I mean, but we haven't even seen him yet. Who knows if he'll even crack the rotation come playoff time. I think he would because. Yeah. His defense. He's so much more athletic than he like, he's basically an athletic Wes Matthews probably can't shoot as well, but he's kind of similar size. He has a little bit of Dante in him, doesn't he? Like if you look at his, what Dante does is, and he's a little bit better of a finisher. He's not as good of a shooter, but he has a little bit of the qualities of Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, I mean, Bembry does have experience as a point guard. I mean, he's he basically play can play the one through three, I think. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that was a sneaky good pickup. Now, Javon Carter, you know, as we continue to become the Nets graveyard, so to speak. Um, I mean, Javon Carter, I don't, I don't know. He's – I'd rather have him than Linda Wigginton. I mean, bless Linda Wigginton. He gave us some moments, but – you know, I can't have him on the court, you know, 25 can't minutes. Like can't he, win with him. He's, can't do it. <laughs> right. So now Javon Carter, I, but I don't know. I mean, Javon Carter seems like one of those guys, the classic, like, you know, overlooked college player that played for four years in college or whatever and came to the NBA and people are like, oh, this dude's actually pretty good. But then he like hasn't gotten any better. So it's it's kind of just, you know, as guys figure him out a little bit and there's a scouting report, he kind of, you know, he's, he's an okay third guard. I'd be fine with that. Now, Brooklyn is having to play him quite a bit because of the Kyrie stuff. And, um, you know, so I, I think he's a decent defender. It'll be a decent pickup, but hopefully he doesn't have to play at all um, in any, any meaningful games. I, I will say this about both Bembry and Carter. Giannis Antetokounmpo makes you better. Just playing with Giannis 
just having mm-hmm. Gian, you know, he, not to say that Carter and Bembry are always going to play with Giannis on the court, but having Giannis there, it does help you. It does make you a better player. You have more open looks. Yeah. Part of the reason why I thought Semi Ojale would be a pretty solid role player for the Bucs. And he wasn't. He sucked. And that, you know, we move on. <laughs> we had a bad take. That's all right. I mean, I, I just, yeah. Semi Ojale, man. There will be, there should be books written about how bad that dude, that dude is at basketball. <laughs> I mean, it's, well, like, I, mean, I, I, I can't describe it. I mean, all the, all like the Boston homers hated him, like Simmons, Kevin O'Connor. Rosillo, Rosillo's not really a homer, but like all those guys who watched a lot of Celtics would talk about how bad Semi was. And I was like, no way. And they're laughing at the Bucs for doing this. Like, well, that's because guys. He, for us, like he would come in and he would he would give Giannis some fits. Yeah. So like you 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 would have that and you'd think like, okay, this dude's useful. But I mean, I don't know. It just was one of those where it was like a worse Tory Craig. I mean yeah for us where it just was like nothing he didn't do anything positive yeah and you know and, and couldn't even crack the rotation because yeah. he, he he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a shot which is you know a little bit of a problem and yeah. then the defense wasn't wasn't you know impactful enough to make up for it so john horse has one a year it's like he he has to have like a stinker just to like keep himself level like he has to have one bad signing just to like yeah. keep the juices going. Like he's like, I can't put myself on this pedestal. I have to make sure I have one bad signing here. And that's just that was the that was the horror. We gotta think of a name for it. Steve well, Hall. he had he had two bad ones with Rodney. I mean Rodney Hood was uh, Rodney I don't Hood, know Rodney if Hood. I count Rodney Hood. I mean, I don't know. DJ August well, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna count Rodney Hood, then you probably can't count because how many minutes did Ojale play okay that's fine I mean, well I think we should just call it the DJ Augustine award because he did give three years 21 million dollars to DJ Augustine which I mean right, that's that, worse now, that, than... now that's that's legitimately bad like that <laughs> like any 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 multi-year contract to somebody like that you know <laughs> like Ojale and Hood were flyers yeah right exactly DJ Augustine, Augustine was, was like all right this dude years. this dude yeah when, when, when the, I mean, my take on Augustine was like, okay, cool. It's the guy that can shoot threes. He's going to be the backup point guard. Um, you know, you may see him in some closing lineups alongside Holiday, and, and that was a that was a total disaster. So yeah, he was bad. Um, it was so bad. Oh, Good times. That, that's bad. Good times. All right, next topic of this of the storylines. So Buck's schedule is a gauntlet. Uh, I think they play the hardest schedule. Down the stretch. Right now, they're a five seed. I don't think it's worth debating what seed they're going to end up because the fucking NBA is so unpredictable. But how do you do? You think the Bucks will use this as sort of a playoff primer? Do you think there's an opportunity where it's just they play too many good teams in a row that they're going to have a blowout here and there, but it could work out? Like, what's your expectations here for the next like ten to twelve games? And I. I can read the people. Do you want me to read the schedule first before I give your answer, just so the people have it? I can I can pull it up here. I, I got it. I got it here. Um, I'll, oh, so I'll do it quick. Ahead. Brooklyn on Saturday, which, real quick, the National Marquette Day parlayed into Nets Bucks is an unreal Saturday if you're a Marquette Bucks fan combination. Yeah. Just a, a side. So you got that. Then you go Charlotte at home, Miami at home, 
Then you're at Chicago, that, uh, and then Phoenix comes home. So you have actually start out with four out of five at home. Then you go head to Oklahoma City. Then you're at you're playing Atlanta again at home. You go out west to play Golden State and Utah in a two gamer, and then Sacramento, Minnesota, and that's your your second West Coast road trip essentially um, before coming home to Chicago. That's basically except for Oklahoma City and Sacramento that you're basically playing playoff teams for the next 12 games, yeah, 13 games. So mm-hmm. I, I now lead it back to you is, will they use this as sort of a, a primer for the playoffs and maybe make a statement? Or do you think it's something where it's kind of going to be what we've seen? A couple wins here, a couple losses there, and just sort of the Bucks kind of hanging around. Uh, it'll probably be the latter. Just, just, I mean, I would hope that they'll, take it very seriously. And I, I think they will take it more seriously um, than they had probably the first 60 games um, because it's really time now to, to lock in and begin to make that push, but they got to get healthy. And, you know, Grayson Allen's dealing with something right now. I don't know if that's, if he'll be fine coming out of the all-star break. If the, you know, we don't know anything on these injuries half the time. Um, George Hills missed a month with a neck, with a neck soreness, um, which is, fishy and uh um but i mean yeah it's a very tough schedule however i will say it's kind of spread out they have i feel like they don't have very many back-to-backs at all so because they played so many games they had kind of a a heavy schedule in the first 60 games with back-to-backs and you know five games in seven days and that type of deal so i do think it's kind of advantageous that they have you know, more days off, I guess, in between games. I don't know if I see any back-to-backs here. The only um, one is okay. uh, Oklahoma City Tuesday, and Atlanta. Wednesday. Yeah. But yep. you could re- you could essentially sit Giannis or sit sit a couple guys for that Oklahoma City game and just say, all right, we have Atlanta, Golden State, and Utah in the next week. So we're just going to, you know, that that's a rest day. That's a load management day. And, and they could do that against Washington, I think, in – a couple Thursdays after they have a lot of home games here. Like I understand like they go out last and that's never fun, but like, I don't necessarily find like the new golden state arena to be that much of a home court advantage yet. Um, You know, it just got corporate. Like I hate to sound like a hipster and and be that way, but it's just not to me that what the Oracle used to be, what the, what they used to kind of have there with the old barn. It's just not the same. Utah, fucking tough place to play but utah has been kind of bad at home this year they just have not been the same team all season and who knows so maybe maybe you come out of that alive i think to me the games that matter are really the ones who against like a miami a chicago like those matter to me more than what they and brooklyn uh and and philly down the line like those matter more. Like I kind of, yeah. I'm not going to say I don't give a shit about the Western conference, but I, I really like if they drop, let's just say they drop both golden state and Utah. I'm not going to lose an ounce of sleep about that. Would I be frustrated? Sure. Am I going to be like pissed off? No. If they lose to Charlotte, who now they haven't beat all year and, and they lose to Charlotte on Monday, like I, I'm going to have to start like really, worry oh no they beat charlie i'm sorry i forgot yeah, they had a game-winning yeah. layup but still it was extremely close and it's like all right yeah. like 
is Charlotte a team we don't want to see in the playoffs? Like, you know, I would like to see the Bucks come out with a little bit of a little bit of passion, a little bit of fury. I don't think Ben's we're getting Ben Simmons on Saturday, right? Like I, I do not think that's happening. I know Ramona Shelburne reported it soon, but there's no way Ben Simmons starts out on the road, right? I or or on prime time for that matter. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to see it, but yeah, he's uh that's just given his personality. I don't know. He probably wants like a a random, you know, Tuesday night game against Toronto. You know, he they play Toronto. Toronto. Sure. They play Toronto on Monday night in Brooklyn. I think you're that's to me that seems like the perfect time for for Simmons. They have a, they have a back to back against Toronto. And then they go, they're home for Miami, which is on TNT, and then Boston. We don't need to read their schedule. They have a lot of, obviously, they have a lot of, you know, primetime games upcoming. Um, but that, I wonder that, if, if, if Durant plays on Saturday. I, I don't know if he's healthy. No, like Durant's, does... not, Durant's not there yet. His knee, his knee was, I think he's uh, like four weeks away. I don't think you're going to see Durant oh, for really? a month. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I guess I haven't followed it closely enough. I don't. Forgive me, I don't know. But, no, 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 um, it's okay. He, I mean, Andy also, I don't know, you know, he lost his grandma as well, which is, which is true. not, which is not great. Um, and obviously, you know, that's never, that's never enjoyable and always sad. Okay, actually, you might be right, Mitch. I just pull, I just did a quick Google and uh, they, yeah, me, and me too. that's GM st- won't slam the door on Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons return within a week. All right, look. If they want the smoke, if they want to go full strength, I will. I welcome it with open arms on Saturday. Now, be be careful what you wish for. I get it, but you know what? You gotta beat the best. You gotta be the best. Bucks Bucks Nets also uh, get together again on March thirty first. So I mean, Bucks are gonna have a good look at a lot of these teams headed down the stretch, and we'll uh, we'll have to see kind of how they how they respond. Uh, did I miss out any storylines that we didn't cover? I'm sure there's a few. I, it's not like I, – I guess the other one I have, last one for me, and I'll let you obviously if you have any more that I missed. What, like what's it going to take to get Chris Middleton going? You know, when, when, are, when are we getting the Eric name story that Chris Middleton is dealing with like a long COVID or something like that? Like when it – when is that story coming out that Middleton's been struggling and why he's struggling? Like, I just feel like there has to be something there. Or is it just he's having a bad year? I don't know. I'll open it uh, yeah, I mean, I would think it would have happened by now. Um, he was an all-star, though, Chuck. So, oh, I mean, that was just – that was a that was a hand job for his, the way he played in the playoffs. I mean, that's all that was, you know, you know, which is a weird – a weird NBA thing where they reward you the year after. It doesn't really make a ton of sense, but whatever, yeah. however it works. Well, and that's, that's, that's like the coaches vote on that, the bench guys. So it's right. kind of, I'm sure that's, that's further proof that that's what that was um, mm-hmm. sort of a lifetime achievement award um, or last season achievement award. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, he, you know, you're not getting enough from him. Certainly. Uh you know, if he was better in that game against Philly, they and the Bucks probably win that. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of the guy he is, the player he is. He's he's streaky. Um, he can be 
you know, your best player for a game and then, you know, your worst player the next night. Also, you know, he can get, he got hot in the postseason and, you know, really hit some big shots and was great when Giannis was out. But, um, you know, there's just, there are too many stretches where he disappears, you know, just isn't, isn't doing much. I mean, there's too many games where you look up and he's got five points in the third quarter and it's like, Dude, what are you, what are you doing? We're getting blown out here. We kind of, we need you. Um, but I know, I mean, I feel like we've talked about it before that, you know, maybe there's something going on. I don't know. Um, you know, he's an extremely private person. So um, as pretty much all the Bucks players are, which is good. It's the way we prefer it. Don't need the, don't need the drama. Don't need the um, Instagram. Don't need the uh, Zion, no Zion reached out, Zion disappearing, um, stuff right. like that. Um, but which yeah, is, I mean, which is why, you know, I mock, I mock how nobody talks about the Bucks, but Drew, frankly, is nothing for the media to, to grab onto. So right. um, I guess it's a double-edged sword. I mean, people, people talk about, you know, the disrespect that the Bucks get and um, the lack of coverage on national and frankly, sometimes local, but that's because they're just, there just isn't, you know, isn't a ton there. I mean, they won a championship and, they've kind of floated through the season so far and, you know, maybe they will turn it on and get hot here the last 22 games and maybe win, you know, they got to win what uh, 14 games to go to win 50. Yeah. Which is, which is not impossible, but you can't be fucking games up against Sacramento and Oklahoma um, city, Oklahoma city, the wizards got them once yet probably should win that game at Minnesota. You owe them one. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got Dallas at home, Clippers, you owe Cavaliers at the end of the season. And then you get, yeah. you know, one last cupcake with the Pistons before that. But I mean, yeah, I would no. like to see 50. I, I'd frankly, I'd be a little embarrassed if they didn't win 50, but I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. You know, I that's, mean, just, that's just me being me. No, I know. But, I hear you. I, I mean, that's I, – I, I do want to – I have some Middleton stuff that's kind of alarming, but real quick on what you said. Yeah, I hear you. Look, I understand, and I would like the Bucks finish in the top four in the East, but I am as confident in them as anyone, and I think the Bucs can, can do it even if they don't have home court advantage. Um, I just know they're a good team. But, yeah, I, I would love to see a run at some point where they just get hot and they've won, they win 10 straight, and they're just an absolute wagon for, like, two weeks, and you and I are just giddy on this podcast. Like, that's what I really like to see. Um, I'd, be, yeah. I'd even be fine with, you know, eight out of the last 10, something like that, you know, 10 out of 12, you know, something where they push their way to the one or two line, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now the Bucks are in a really good spot here the rest of the way. But, you don't know, it has – we haven't seen it yet, so it's hard to trust. One, some things on Middleton, just really quick. Like, so field goal percentage for Middleton's right now, forty three percent. That's the worst that's he's had in his career. Not even like Detroit County. That is the worst field goal percentage that Chris Middleton had had in his career. He's shooting about the same amount of shots that he typically takes at fifteen. Three point percentage at thirty five percent. That is down from the last two years. Um, and it's right around 2017, 2018, where he also shot about 35%. So not entirely great. Free throws are staying stable. 
Um, points wise is also kind of stable at 19, but yeah, man, there, and those aren't even when you look at advanced, like where I'm just looking at standard, just everyday stats and that's not good. Um, so hopefully, you know, I think Middleton would be a big part of the Bucks getting hot. If the Bucks get hot, it's because Chris is rolling and Giannis and Drew are just picking up where they left off. And I think that's, that's kind of how you, how you get hot. Yeah, I, I, that's a very good point. I mean, you, you know what you're going to get from Giannis. I mean, you're getting mm-hmm. max effort, max production pretty much every night. Um, there's the occasional um, stinker from Giannis where – and it's not even a stinker. It's because you just – you know that the other team was just harassing him and he wasn't getting a whistle at all. And, you know, a la Toronto or, or Charlotte or somebody like or Miami, one of those teams that tends to call the officials bluffs. And, um, but yeah, and, and like Holiday has been pretty, pretty steady when he's been out there this year. And I mean, Middleton, you know, just again, yeah, if he can get going, that's going to be huge. And right. that's going to provide, provide that third pillar. And, um, you know, if you get some, maybe some more regular contributions from a Grayson Allen, um, and Bobby Portis finding his shot again. It was sort of, it's been good most of the year, but, uh, the last, that last week before the all-star break was, was a little rough for him too. So, um, you know, just a lot of, a lot of misses and it's bound to happen. I mean, there's, you know, there's a reason that, you know, he's not, you know, Bobby's not a, not really a 47% three point shooter. I know it's been, no out yeah. of body for how, how long now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, it always felt like that bubble would burst at some point. You just hope it doesn't happen <laughs> all yeah. at once. Yeah. You hope the regression monster is not like terrible. You hope it's just kind of, it ebbs and flows and there's a little bit of regression built into what, what Bobby does, but we'll see. Um, they'll get ready for Brooklyn on Saturday and should be fun and can't wait to uh, talk about it on Monday's uh, daily tap. Moving on to other topics, uh, Aaron Rodgers is always in the news, as we mentioned, the steak or the or the potato to LeBron. And Rodgers told Pat McAfee absolutely nothing. We talked about it on yesterday's show. We did winners and losers. If you haven't already. But one of the things I found interesting was there was some research done on a Bob McGinn piece. Now, Bob McGinn is a guy that we've taken some jokes at. I would say that we've we do not like Bob again on this podcast. I wouldn't say not like, but, but Bob's just a cranky old guy. All right. And he was like, Aaron Rodgers too careful in the playoffs. And I didn't really look too much into it. I didn't react to it because I had to have my cup filled with Roger steaks. I was like, you know what? All right, dude, it's fine. You're just doing your thing. You're just being Bob. It's all right. And then Kevin Cole of pro football focus basically has the stats to prove. Yeah. Rodgers doesn't take enough risks in these playoffs or in moments where he's trailing. And if you compare him to like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, he, it does, they who take more risks as the, the game is in doubt, Rodgers just kind of stays even keel. So I pose the question to you, can you teach a dog, an old dog new tricks? Is there a way that Matt LaFleur can tell Aaron Rodgers, Hey, take a little more, take, take a few more risks when, when our backs are against the wall, or do you think it's, there's just no coming back from it? 
I would like to say yes, but I don't know if I can. I mean, you have yeah. no, so many years of data now where it's I know Rogers is Rogers is very, very risk averse. And I think that works out most of the time. Um, but yeah, you've seen, I mean, how often in sports do you talk about, you know, the playoffs are different and it doesn't necessarily apply in the NFL all the time, but maybe it does because, you know, clearly what he's done in the last, we have 10 years now of a sample size since they last won the Super Bowl, And it just, it just seems like, you know, the guy is, is a little bit too cautious. I mean, I, I, you know, I probably should should read that McGinn thing. I, I don't know. Is that pro football focus? No, he he I'm has. To think if I need he's a, on Ty Dunn's uh, Ty Dunn subscription service. Uh, go along. Paywall. Com. Yeah. Yeah. Paywall. Yep. So. So, but unfortunately, I mean, Ty Dunn. Ty Dunn does good work, but I don't know if uh, if that's in my my budget. No, <laughs> but, no, and no, I, I, I I do I have to agree with Bobby for sure. And I, I hate to admit it, but it's just one of those things. I, I was able, I had my ways around, was able to step it out. And, you know, McGinn is good. He talks to a lot of people, but at the same time, like, he just sometimes he's a cross field man, and this isn't one of them. This is one where he's actually spot on, and that Rodgers does have to find a way to be more risk, you know, be more risk taker. And I feel like it's kind of ironic. First quarterback when he's counting, you know, the seminar is not giving him up, you know, as a book that likes to read and talks about how he just doesn't care and all this other stuff. And, and I do wonder is like, how can, well, how can you bring that onto the football field? Like, to me, being a little bit risky at quarterback is just kind of not giving a fuck. Like, I don't leave Brett Favre before fuck, right? Like, when do you feel like Brett Favre ever cared about the football field? He's a kid out there. Like that's what kid, you know. It's what it's why that saying became what it is. And I think, you know, in a way, Joe Burrow has a little bit of that. I think Mahomes definitely has that. And Rogers kind of needs to find that. And I don't know if you I don't know if that's that can be learned. Like I don't know if Rogers can just say, All right, we're gonna unleash the trailer here and just become like, you know, Jameis like, if you will. I don't know if that's possible. Um, but Right. It's definitely but I also think, I think like too for for Rogers, like he's he, I feel like he's become so like zen and peace and love and like kinda kinda like the opposite of what you would expect, like someone that's gonna go for the jugular when he's playing. Yeah. And I know that oh. that's you know, you can you can you should be able to separate the two, but I don't know. Like I'm not saying he doesn't care, because I will never say that about an athlete, but um, you know, he just seems to have gotten to be such a you know, such a hippie, you know, the last year or two um, that I don't know. I, I just uh, think it's really hard to, at, at this point, to expect him to change is, is tough. I mean, especially for, for a guy who's, you know, kind of gotten his way a lot the last 12 to 18 months. Well, and, and I, I, I do um, wonder if Matt LaFleur will try to, if, you know, Matt, I'm sure these guys read everything and see everything. And I, I do wonder if Matt LaFleur will at least try to have Aaron Rodgers take more risks and say, look, we're down. We need you to just be awesome. And we need you to kind of go for the throat. And we need you to sort of be this killer. 
And I do hear what you're saying. I, I do think there is that. Is he just so at peace that he's okay with losing? I think that's what you're inferring. Not necessarily he doesn't care, but is like he okay? He's okay that they lost. If he's healthy, his teammates are good, and like everybody like had a good time. Like Rogers is cool with that because he's again at this peace. But I, I do think that Aaron Rodgers got humble by losing to San Francisco. I think Aaron Rodgers was really swinging his day. Like, is that Volkenberg piece for ESPN where he's like a twenty-minute interview where he goes off on Colbert, he goes off on Biden, like completely on un- unattached, you know, like just unabashed. And he did that on Max show and you know all these other places. And what I think maybe Rogers realized is that these guys are letting Rogers just talk and ramble because they know he's going to say something crazy. And it's like, you just kind of need to shut up sometimes. And he, like, he apologized again for like his COVID stuff on Max B yesterday. And I, I just don't feel like that's a coincidence. I feel like that's someone who might've got kind of humbled a little bit about this and realized that he probably did. He probably took it a little too far. And who knows, maybe that translates into a different version of Aaron Rodgers next season, like the, the artful warrior or something like that, or the Zen, the Zen, uh, Zen black warrior. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's it's been a, a weird, <laughs> weird couple of weeks. I think with with Rodgers and you know the Instagram post the other night was um, obviously had everybody in a tizzy and they had they have to know what's going on. And oh, yeah. I guess my 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 initial thought on that was like. I don't know. Like this is a guy that is very, very calculated and, and is, he knows what's, you know, that, that he knows what's going to happen. And it's just funny because, you know, he he dealt with this stuff with Favre and it's a little different, but kind of the concept is becoming the same where, and granted we're not at year four or five of this crap, but like we had with Favre. um, But, you know, he's starting to do what he probably said he would never do. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of play this game with the media. And he, what's funny too, is he gets, he gets Bakhtiari and a couple other guys involved that make these, like they post gifts and stuff and if, or, you know, cryptic pictures and um, then everybody reads into it. And, and, and maybe it's because and, like as a guy who hates the media so much, with what talking about Rogers. Yeah. Like he knows what he's doing. He knows that he's going to get, um, he's got him at, at, he's, he's got him wrapped around his finger. And that's all he said. He didn't put like Rogers names, anything. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. And, you know, power that's had a lot of special Rogers tricks in the past. I would maybe put it on the rush for Rogers we're doing it, but I think we have done before. But the last thing I was going to ask you about was Packers before we do college to wrap up. So Brian Lee, who said like the pandemic changed the Packers' way of doing things. Some people push back on that. What do you think about that? What do you think about what he means by that? Do you think it's related to the fact that no ticket revenue? Do you think it's the cap getting cut? Like, what do you think Brian means by that? Uh, I, I can, 
I can barely hear you. I'll, I'll just, oh, I'm I'll just sorry. That, but I, but oh. I, I, I the la- actually really the last, the entire Rogers conversation, I can barely hear you. Oh it's been, no. It's been, <laughs> so I That's... can hear you, but I don't know. I don't know if the podcast will come out that well the last on your end oh, or God. my end, maybe. I don't know, but oh, you, know, no. you were talking so much and rolling so well and, and providing so much. I didn't want to interrupt you, but, um, Oh man, I got, well, I, I got the gist of it. Can you, can you hear me better now or no? Yeah. Yeah. I can, I got you good now. I, I don't know what, what you were doing or what happened, but I might've been, like been the body position that I was in. Um, but that's, that's not good. Um, well, for the first time in maybe my history of podcasting, I'm going to have to actually turn up my audio. So I'll have to go check that out afterwards. Well, that's, that's okay. Well, I'm sorry to the people. Um, so I'm sorry about that for a technical <laughs> difficulty. So what I was going to ask you was Brian Gunacoust and yeah. him saying, you know, the pandemic changed how, like how they did things. Yeah. People push back you. on that. Like, what did you, yeah, do you think, I mean, do you believe him? Oh, you totally. I mean, I think that it was, it's probably more the fact that the salary cap is going to, or did drop. I don't know. I, I don't know what the, what the, how the long-term effects of the 2020 season, if there will be any, just because of the, the, the TV rights and stuff with the NFL are about to get a nice boost, I think. Um, but I, so yeah, so I do think it's more salary cap, but you know, um, a team that's publicly owned, I'm sure, you know, it doesn't necessarily have the owner that can just reach even deeper into their pockets, but you know, they also conveniently did a, did a stock sale, which I know can't oh, yeah. be used on um, your roster moves and stuff like that, but I don't know. Um, it can be used on other things. It can be used on renovations and those reservations right. that you were going to, so it probably, know. it probably really can't really be ticket revenue. That's hurting them. I, I can't imagine. No. You no. If it, oh God. If anybody, if anybody can withstand that, it's probably the Packers. I mean, they've got generations and generations on the, on the back, back list of, of season tickets. So, um, you know, that won't be a problem. You know, they can, they can handle 10 home games without fans. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. And I, I agreed. I, I agree with you. I think that he realized that, yeah, he had to do some different shit and they had to try some different things. And him and Russ Wall were working together lively on it. And they started to cut corners, like in a good way, not in a bad way. And they were like, okay, like we can convert this. Like I thought Zach Krause's piece about how they could, could basically create 90 million in cap without really losing anybody was fucking incredible, um, which I recommend to everybody check out. Like, they do all these different restructures and, and it's like my friend Eric has said the cap is fake for a long time. And I push back on that multiple times, fucking wrong. The cap is fake. It's not real. It just isn't. And I think that's kind of what Gutekus came to the realization of like, I can maneuver this son of a bitch in so many different ways. And either Ted was so stuck in his ways or Ted just didn't want to want to like, get into the nitty gritty of it or whatever it may be, but he didn't want to do it, but this is what I'm going to do. And this is kind of how we're going to keep preserving the green Bay Packers. So I don't know. It's, it's very fascinating to kind of watch this shift and Packer fans not understand it and get all like, 
oh my God, this dead cap, this dead cap. And it's like, it, it was like, you know, this whole big deal about Sullivan and Tanyan and uh, Campbell and King. It's like, did you see one big J cover that story? No. Well, it was just all these bloggers who have nothing better to write about, which I, I'm one too. So I'm not like, you know, bird of a similar <laughs> feather, but it, it's just like, guys, I don't know if we need to worry about every little Packer move that that comes across the wire. I think it's going to be okay. So uh, why don't we, why don't we just wait and see? Uh, and, and then of course, Gunkus didn't address it at his pre-combine uh, presser today uh, before he heads out to Indianapolis for the combine. All right, let's move on to college basketball quickly. Um, we'll talk Marquette since Wisconsin's in action. So who knows what happens with the Badgers there. Um, Marquette is a little struggling just a little bit, a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a free fall, but they have lost four of their last six games. Um, they are not maybe the team that were they were at the start of the month where it was like Wagon City, you know, beat Villanova twice, things like that. Um, I'm not worried. I'm not pushing the panic button. I think Marquette's fine. I think the the weird thing is like, and I don't know if you've dealt with this as a fan of any of your teams, but like I had no expectations for Marquette this season. I was like, hey, cool. If they get to the NIT, great. Then I was like, well, they're probably pretty good. At, like if, if they, yeah, if they get to the tournament, cool. But then I was like, maybe they should win a game. And now I'm like, where should I reset my expectations? I don't think they'd get on the bubble, but I've seen crazier things happen in college basketball. Like, where do you think my expectations should be for Marquette right now? Uh, I mean, they should, I would say, making the tournament. Um, You know, in a hopefully non-playing game type of scenario. Uh, I think at the moment they're probably pretty safely in, right? Yeah. So um, right now they're but they have a couple easy games to end the end their regular season. Yes. I mean DePaul DePaul on the road has been a nightmare for Marquette, but that was an old regime. So hopefully things change um and that they're able to uh cure those and Butler's games. not very good, but they just lost the butler. Right. And but at National Marquette, it's our they announced today that it's a sellout. I I think Marquette's gonna bury them. I just think the crowd is going to carry them. Um, okay. I mean, yeah, no, they should, but, you know, you, that you would can, be. You can grab this audio if you want, and you can play it for me and, you know, and say, laugh, good call, bud, if they're they're struggling. But I, I don't know. I just think it's going to be an absolutely rowdy atmosphere um, at the at the Fiserv um, Saturday, which they added on Sunday, I think, two years ago. It was really weird. It's like they were trying to prevent – people from like getting drunk and like treating it like a homecoming. It's like, just, just let the kids live. Just can we, can we just do that? But yeah, right now Marquette is a seven seed under Joel Lenardi um, playing TCU with, with Purdue to follow in Indianapolis. So nice for Marquette that they get to be close. Jerry Palm, usually my guy, but he's going eight seed playing Notre Dame in South Carolina with Auburn to follow. Neither would be fun to play the second round, Auburn or Purdue. Bad, bad matchups. Marquette can't rebound. Both those teams can rebound. The, the reason to play Purdue, though, is because Purdue is, like, tight butt well the entire time. Like, the expectations on Purdue, like, never made a Final Four. It's, like, their best team. Jaden Ivey's probably a top-five pick. Like, yeah. they, I mean, 
yeah, this is like, this is the year, you know? And, and what's his name? Zach Eady is like the, is this the monster? Yeah. I mean, uh, Zach Eady's enormous. Um, he's like seven, four, I think seven, seven, four. four yep. And it's weird that Purdue just keeps getting like really tall guys. Like, I don't know. Matt Painter must have a pitch for him. I does he like his, does he have George Maris on it's like a, Painter? It's like a fetish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> does Matt Painter greedy tees uh coming up on the but they're, uh, but they're, uh, hotline. They're uh their backup big is what's his name? Like Travion Williams or something like that. Yeah, he's good. He's been he's been that in college. Really for, good. He's been in college for seven fucking years. I'd hope he's good. Um, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to – I'd rather play Purdue than Auburn, I'll tell you right now. I, although Auburn – the weird thing about Auburn is they can't seem to win away from home. Like, I don't know if that's just uh, – like, they've just been bad. Like, you look at some of their road games, it's not been good. They played Tennessee this weekend, uh, so that would be a, a good test for them uh, in the Knoxville. But, yeah, I feel pretty good about Marquette, even with the, the slight failure. It just just get win two out of three to finish off the year hopefully win all three. That'd be great. And I think you, you'll, you're feeling good and maybe get one in the, in the big East tournament. Uh, Cause that would be, that'd be fun. Um, big East tournament's going to be incredible. Um, I'll just tell you that right now. It's going to be yeah. an absolute fucking great tournament. As long as James Breeding's not there. I uh, keep James Breeding out of there. That fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> well, no, no. Just terrible. I, I, I didn't realize that. I, I was going to say, I didn't realize how many years ago that the, the Big Ten stopped doing their MSG tournament. That was well, like five years ago, the last time they did it. Yeah, that was I a thought, terrible I thought idea. That, I thought that was like still happening. No, Big Ten, Big Ten kind of realized that uh, they were the small dick in the room in this conversation. Like, okay. the, no, just in this conversation. Nope, they probably care. realize just how stupid it is. Well, it was stupid. They got killed for it. They were like, why Why would you leave Indianapolis and fucking Chicago? They were like two hotbeds for the Big Ten. It's where everybody eats, sleeps, and fucks Big Ten. Like, why would you leave those places? That doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. Yeah, and like, I, that, like that's the whole reason they brought Rutgers and Maryland in. It was to get the East Coast. Rutgers and then, basketball, you know, yeah. Sorry. Have an excuse to, to play in Madison Square Garden which I guess for a couple of years was fine, but I'm glad that it's not a permanent no, thing. They did one year in New York and then they did one year in uh, DC. They played at the wizards uh, stadium, whatever that's called. Um, and then they were like, all right, we're never going to do this. Fucking I think it's again. capital one arena. Yeah. Cap- yeah, right. yeah. Cap one arena. You got it. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, let's never, it's like, ah, Good hit, Maze. Never fucking do it again. I think that's the big time. It used to be the Verizon Center. You're right. And I think it might have been the MCI Center at one point. I'm old enough to remember that. Get a life, dude. Um, (laughs) Touch some grass. Uh, (laughs) uh, So for Wisconsin, I, I feel like Wisconsin's in a really basically what Wisconsin has to do. The assignment is really simple. Just keep winning games. Don't fuck around and make sure you don't lose the Milwaukee the Milwaukee Regional. That's all Wisconsin has to do. Wisconsin just keeps winning basketball games. They can they can uh, make sure that they're they're playing in Milwaukee 
And I feel like that's their most important goal right now. I don't think it really matters to seed. It's just like, can we get a three or a four? I mean, I think a two is ambitious, but if they get hot, maybe, maybe a two is on the table. I don't know though. I, that seems, that seems like a stretch. I think that to me is my like Wisconsin take is they just need to make sure they're playing in Milwaukee because that will just benefit them greatly and exceed their chances yeah. to get into the second weekend and maybe the final four. It would be very Badgers lucky, like to get Milwaukee and Chicago for their, oh yeah, you know, for their path, which seems to be somewhat realistic. Yeah. Um, you know, that would be shades of 2015, right? Isn't that when it, when it, when they went to the championship game? Was that the year they played in Milwaukee or was it the year before? It was the I year before. It was the year before, okay. I think, but I, I think they ended up in Philadelphia. I'm going to have to look this up now. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they, that path, you're right. I mean, and I wonder if the seat, the committee would avoid that. I feel like they would. I mean, that's also intriguing for Illinois, right? Like, if Illinois gets that opportunity too to do that in Chicago, that's a huge, huge advantage um, for for the the Badgers. But yes, you are right. Where no, they went. So in that year, they went to they were in Milwaukee first, and then they went out to Anaheim, California, um, in the second round or the second second regional, blew out Baylor in the Sweet Sixteen, and then beat Arizona in that absolute classic, um, which was a really, really good game. Um, that was a fantastic basketball game. That was the night we, we got banged up that night. Marquette lost that 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 early at the Verizon Center to Syracuse, um, where I think they only scored like 40 points. It was rough. Um, here nor there, you know, life moves on. I think that was – Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, Wisconsin oh, has a revenge game against Rutgers. In, in New Jersey. Ooh, tough a, place just to play. A war, just, just a battle against Purdue then next Tuesday. Right. And um, Purdue. In Madison. Purdue, oh, I mean, Purdue is, you know, wanting to kind of give a little payback to ba- the Badgers. And, you know, Purdue, one of their losses this year has been to Wisconsin. And that, I mean, could decide, you know, who's, you know, the number one seed in the Big Ten uh, right now. I think it's bunched up. I think you have like three or four teams with four losses. I just looked at it the other day. So it's gonna it's gonna really be interesting down the stretch here with Big Ten. Big Ten's really really talented yet again. We see we saw this what last couple of years where the Big Ten has maybe the most talent in their conference. It's a question of can one of them finally break through and win a championship? First one for that for that conference since two thousand. And by the way, seeding wise, uh, both Lenardi and Palm have uh, Wisconsin in Milwaukee. Um, one of them has them playing New Mexico State, and then either USC or Creighton. Um, that's not not an easy draw, I would say. The other one so they have them at a th- a three line, three line. Um, and Palm also has them at a three line, same region, Milwaukee, USC two, but playing Wagner and USC playing SMU. I like that draw a lot better for Wisconsin. USC is not an easy one though. USC has a lot of talent. Um, they are, but they can't make free throws to save their soul. That's the problem with USC. They are very bad free throw shooting team, um, which not, not going to win you. Not going to win you many games in March, let me tell you. So, but yeah, I, if I were to give bra- early early bracket advice, I would just be very wary of Purdue. 
That's all I will say. Could burn you, but yeah, I'm I mean, very wary to put Purdue anything further than Elite Eight. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would, too. I just think, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of skeletons in that closet. Yeah. As 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 a fans of teams with skeletons in their closet, we know how it is. Come playoff time. Those team, those skeletons yeah. just start coming back to life somehow. And you're like, how the fuck is this happening again? And it's like, here we go again. And I think a lot of Purdue fans are, are probably waiting for that other shoe, man. There's no question about it. So we'll see. It's going to be a fun I think it's going to be a really good tournament. I'm very excited for it. Maybe some things in the works. Who knows? Um, yeah, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be good just to have it sort of back to normal. Uh, oh yeah, after no. it's been three years since we've yeah, had a, a normal normal tournament. Yeah, it's crazy. Not, I mean, last year last year was fun. Last year was I'm glad they got it in. There were some fans there. There were some moments, but you know, it's, no, it'll be fun to have it have it pretty much back to normal. You're right. It, it'll be it'll be incredible, um, and it's crazy. It's been three years. Um, Titus and Tate mentioned that on their show last week about how it's been three years. That's absolutely absurd. So, very excited for that. I'm sure we'll talk about it more with both Marquette and Wisconsin being involved, which is also great for content. That that doesn't hurt uh, hurt us content boys. But we'll be back right. tomorrow. You, you think about the you think about the tournament getting canceled in 2020. It just you go you just start shot right back to those first couple of weeks where just all the uncertainty and like, Oh man, like the big, the big East tournament, they tried to continue their big East tournament and they played like what they could even get one game in. No, they they did a half and they were getting killed on Twitter. And then you had the, uh, the red, this red storm mascot just hanging out by himself. Yeah. Just in the stands. And it, it was the last like sports image for a long time. And that was it. And right. it was over, man. It was so crazy. Was so nuts. Um, that was like my third day of my current job. Like, and I'm like looking at all these scores yeah. and it's like canceled, canceled, canceled. I'm like, what the fuck? And yeah, it was, it was absolutely, it still is one of the more surreal like weeks that I think we've, we've ever had. Um, and we probably will ever have, I mean, We'll go down in me. So, but yeah, it's going to be good. It'll be a lot of fun. This is a great time of year, in my opinion. Um, this is hopefully the weather gets better. But yeah, I mean, thinking about it for these, the youngins, they're going to go. If for Mark, the Marquette youngins will go National Marquette Day, Shamrock Shuffle, in back to back weekends. That's, that's not good for your liver. That's just asking your liver for trouble. Right. But yeah. So we'll, uh, Talk next week. Um, look forward to that. Um, and who knows? Maybe we'll have a Roger decision. Maybe we won't. We'll check in with the Bucks as they'll be back in full swing by then. And uh, anything else that comes across comes across the way. All right. Take care, guys. Have yourself a great Thursday, and we'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye. Peace. Peace.